Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-game. Welcome to the A-Game Podcast. This is a post-podcast of the episode we did this week with Brandon Turner, who is the host of the Bigger Pockets Podcast and the founder of Open Door Capital. I'm going to have big guests on like this, like I did with Jordan Harbinger, some of these other ones that there's a lot of lessons to take away. I like to jump on and just highlight some of the key points and things that I think are, are really good golden nuggets or value that we could have gone on for longer. Um, but obviously, I want to be respectful of his time and of yours. So um, this is just kind of jumping through some of those things. Again, if you are interested in getting involved in real estate, please contact me directly, nicknicknick.com. You can go on nicknicknick.com and get our free ebook and find out some of the things that have changed over the last year due to the pandemic so you don't get caught not knowing what's happening when the market starts to shift. Quick, easy read, free ebook. Again, it'll give you some of the things that you need to pay attention to so you'll know when things start to shift and you can make sure you don't get caught with your pants down, not knowing what happened and all of a sudden being in a bad spot. So it's a good read. It's an easy read. It's a little bit of money on Amazon, but it's free on our website. And uh, more importantly, if you want to get involved in real estate, whether you want to buy properties from me, sell properties to me, or find a way to partner up, whether it's residential, cash flow properties, fix and flip properties, development deals, multifamily, you want to buy a mobile home park, you want to sell a mobile home park, whatever it is, nicknicknick.com slash links, L-I-N-K-S, Please jump on. You'll see all the ways to subscribe to this podcast and all the ways to contact me on social media. If you're interested in being a guest or having me as a guest, email podcast at nicknicknick.com. We can have that conversation as well. So again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. So um, Brand talked about getting started, which I thought was a really interesting thing as well, because just like a lot of us, you know, everybody, I thought it was hysterical. We said, you know, everybody has a story about an uncle that lost a shirt in real estate. And I started laughing because it is funny when you first start getting involved, people aren't necessarily happy. So if you're listening to this and you're starting to feel it out with your family or your spouse or your friends, and you're getting a lot of resistance or negativity or people saying, you know, it doesn't work or you get yourself in trouble, or I knew a guy who was going to do that, or, you know, it's, it's what everybody deals with when they first start. That's never going to go away. I still have people telling me all the things that you need to be careful of in real estate and telling me that it doesn't work and you can't make money and go get a job or play the lottery. It's just one of those things. So definitely don't let that be something that discourages you. But I love how he just started out and, and did his first deal. And I've talked about this over and over again, but the first deal is the most important. Everything will change for you after the first one. The fear, the insecurity, can I do this? Were they right? All the naysayers, all those imaginary things in your head that probably would never even happen, they start to go away when you get that check. And Brandon talked about that. He said, look, I got that $20,000 check. And I went, well, this is more money than I ever made before. And again, one of the things I hear over and over again from years of doing this and years of teaching and, and speaking and all the different stuff, everybody wishes they did it sooner. As soon as they get that first check, and he started in his 20s, I did too, but you still always wish you, you did it more, or you did it earlier, or whatever the situation is. But you get that first check, and then you realize, I did it. You know, all those things I was worried about, most of them didn't happen. If they did, it still was okay because I still got a check. I still made money. And now 
I could do that again. And then when I do it again, it's a little bit less scary because now I, I know some of those things and some of those imaginary things that I know I won't have to worry about because they don't exist. And you start to really get an idea and a jump for, for what kind of things you need to actually worry about or focus on. And, and every deal gets a little bit, a little bit tighter and a little bit less scary. And you get, you have a little bit less of a, of a holes in there and a little bit, you know, gets a little bit easier, faster and safer every time. And now your profits get a little bit bigger because there's not those expenses that you didn't account for those mistakes that you didn't know to look for. So getting that first one done is huge. Also documenting the journey. I think this is a really important piece of where we are today because we talked about some of the, the guru, so to speak, which, you know, some that tends to be a, a, a bad word or an owner word, but I don't think it is at all. So when you talk about people that have maybe, you know, the Kiyosaki's or, you know, the Robert Allen's or whatever, whatever industry you have your big names in that were coming around and doing seminars and education. There wasn't social media, there wasn't blogs, there wasn't webinars, there wasn't all these things that you have today to, today to really literally watch people on social media that made their first post maybe three, five, six, seven years ago saying like, hey, I'm interested in getting started. How did you guys get started or posting on some of these sites? You can literally watch somebody like Brandon who started out blogging and just doing one deal and then going into more deals and then asking questions and then learning the answers and then posting on what their, their experience was and then doing deals and doing more deals and, and post posting looking for money or posting selling properties. You know, it's it's a really interesting time. So I think there's less excuses than ever to buy the the story that you can't make money in real estate or you have to have a bunch of money to start out or, you know, it's somebody else that's going to do it. It's not going to be you because you can find person after person after person that you can backtrack their story and literally watch the whole thing, which wasn't even intentional. The story has just been laid out in front of you. So that is a pro, but it's also a con because you can get wrapped up in so many other things and then, then what do you do with the comments? You know what I mean? Like no matter what type of thing, I think I was just watching the UFC and I got Julia Marquez and shout out to James Krause. James Krause um, is killing it. He's a real estate investor. He's been on the podcast and he's got a bunch of fighters on his roster that are absolutely killing it. So he's doing something right over there in Kansas City at Glory MMA. So shout out to him for uh, picking up another big win this weekend. But uh, another here over there, the guy said, you know what? I do things for me. And when he went on the, uh, the post-fight conference or the pre-fight conference or whatever it was, doesn't matter. Um, and they asked him like some of the things he was doing. He said, you know, again, I do this for me. He's like, everybody's going to have a problem with something. If I wore a different colored shirt, somebody wouldn't like it because it wasn't this color. And then somebody else wouldn't like it because it's a t-shirt. It's not a sweatshirt. And then you get the comments and all the things. So you do have to learn to tune it out. And I wish there was a little bit of a, a way to use that tool, but that same tool of having social media to be able to, to look people up and to follow them and to document those experiences and to get you confidence that you can do it as well and literally watch and get the steps can also be a weapon that can hurt you by these idiots that post things in the comments or that are just haters on somebody that's doing something successful or they're trying to hijack the post. Literally, I had a guy on one of Brandon's posts, Brandon posted something I forget what it was offhand, but he posts a lot of great content, which I'm sure you guys have seen if you're following this on his Instagram. And some guy just hit me up and said, hey, Nick, message me. And he gave me his his uh, his Instagram handle. So I messaged him. But then I looked because I was like, man, I get this crap all the time. And I, I literally messaged him just to see what it's about. So I could you know, kind of report it back to Brandon and see, because I would want somebody to do that if there was somebody hijacking people off of one of my pages or groups. It's not cool. It's bad business. But I saw that this guy literally tagged every single person on this post and there was a lot of people. And then once I hit him up, it was like, hey, thanks for the connection. Uh, are you interested in Bitcoin or interested in Forex? One of those things that you get like a thousand of every single day, that's just a bunch of crap. And he's he's taking people off that platform. So 
either way, um, you know, you get these people that try and take you off course because they have their own agendas. So it's a long way to go, but you, you have to a little bit have that tunnel vision of those blinders of going on and go on with the purpose of knowing exactly what you're looking for. Don't read the comments, just you know, focus on the person that's actually doing it and the person that's actually posting there because the person hiding in the comments, it's, you know, it's stuff on YouTube. People are doing great things every day. And again, if you're worried about criticism, stay home, don't do anything. And my, my old saying, if you want to make everybody happy, sell ice cream, doing real estate, putting yourself out there, asking for money, asking for deals. You're going to have to go out there a little bit. And there's going to be people that criticize you, people that wish they were doing what you do. But you know, at the end of the day, you're going to find what you choose to find. And we've talked about this a lot that you will look at these types of success stories like Brandon Turner and use these posts and use the content that they post as a vessel to lift you up and to inspire you or as a way to take the comments and find the negative and psych you out. Whatever you see it as, you are right. But there's plenty out there and it's a decision that you have to make of what you're going to focus on and what you're going to pay attention to. Because if you go on social media, if you go online, period, looking to find a reason to not move forward with your dreams, I promise you, you will find it. And if you go on social media looking for a way to be inspired and to convince yourself that things are okay and to go after it, you will find that too. So it's confirmation bias. Whatever you go and looking for, you will find it. So just make sure you're careful because you will tie yourself up into this whole web of nonsense and not know which moves to make. So we did talk about focus. This is another thing that comes up over and over and over again. And I love that Brandon talked about just making a decision. To me, focus, self-awareness, and decisiveness are some of the most crucial ingredients for being successful. And he was going back and forth just like I have done, like I do every single day, and like I'm sure many of you have, of what do I want to do? Do I want to flip properties? Do I want to hold properties? Do I want to do single family? Do I want to do commercial? Do I want to do wholesale? Do I want to do mobile home parks? Do I want to just be a passive investor? Do I want to start a fund? What market do I want to go to? Do I want to start in a cheap market? Do I want to start an expensive market? Do I want to be in the Midwest? Do I be, all these different things. And what he did was he just decided, he just made a decision and said, all right, you know what? I've had it. I'm going to focus on mobile home parks. And I'm going to be the best guy at just buying mobile home parks. That's what I'm going to start my fund for. That's what we're going to go after. And he says on his podcast over and over again, does that mean it was the right decision? No, but it was the right decision for him because he just made a decision to focus on it. If he would have focused on multifamily, I'm sure he'd be made, making money in multifamily. If you wanted to focus on wholesale, I'm sure he'd be making money in wholesale. But just pick a lane, master that lane, and then you can start to divvy out into these other ones. And again, I'm a little bit all over the place, but I have been doing this for a very long time. And those, those lanes and those deals and the money that I'm making on those other relationships I didn't build overnight. I didn't just start out like that. That doesn't just happen that you have all these different buyers and sellers and connections and people that rely on you and people that trust you. So starting out, I would definitely say, focus and pick a lane and just go after it and be the best that you can be in that. And that's going to help you because, and just accept it. Don't have the FOMO. Everybody has that fear of missing out, but there's money to be made everywhere. I don't care what asset class or what kind of market you're talking about. I can point you to somebody who's making money in that asset class, in that market, in that price point right now, today, just make a decision because indecision is going to be one of the, the worst decisions you can make. There's no money to be made there at all. So it's a big deal. Support. Support is another one. We're working with family and support, I thought was a huge, huge piece that Brandon talked about because, you know, I started talking about that in the beginning, but I didn't come from money, but my parents, they, they absolutely did support me. You know, they supported me going and learning at all these different seminars and putting money into my education. And when I called them and I said, Hey, I want to buy this property. Or I want to put this offer out. It wasn't all, oh, you better not do that. Or if you lose money, we're going to say, we told you so it was support that I got from them that they trusted me. 
And I didn't get the feeling of if you make the wrong decision, we're going to what if, and I told you so, because it's what a lot of people do. A lot of people that act like they're leaders, they get away with being higher than thou or, you know, on their high horse or whatever you want to call it on their pedestal by always leaving the decision up to somebody else. And then they Monday morning quarterback it by saying, oh, you know what? You shouldn't have done that, but they will never make that decision. I can't stand that. I have a few people in my life that are like that, that I've tried to, to cut out. But like, once I realized what was happening, man, it, it really, it bothers you big time. And you start to realize like, oh, I feel like I'm catching a lot of criticism, but at the end of the day, it's like, hey, what do you want to, what do you want to do? What should we talk about this week? Well, you pick, well, which deal should we buy? I'm up to you, you know, whatever you want. And they never, ever make a decision because they never have to risk being wrong. And then they get to sit up there and go, oh, you know, you picked red, you should have picked blue. You picked black, you should have picked white. You picked real estate, you should have picked stocks or whatever it is. And there's so many people out there that are like that. And now that I am, I've lived through it and I've gotten past it, I'm so aware of it. I'm so quick to pick it out. So I don't care anymore just because I know what it is. It's more about them being scared of being wrong than it is about me actually being picked apart for being wrong because it's very easy after. Being somebody who makes decisions is one of the biggest skills you can have. I've said this before, but the road of life is filled with flattened squirrels who cannot make a decision. So be a decision maker, right or wrong, and just own it. Because at the end of the day, every single guest you've heard on my podcast and every single person you find that's successful has made the wrong decision, but they've also made the right decisions. And they got there by exercising the muscles of making decisions and just swinging the bat and making the most logical decision. Now you don't want to just go, you know, close your eyes and, and throw a dart or anything like that. You want to take your best educational logical decisions and weigh out the pros and cons to figure it out. But, you know, set a timeline on it. You know, I, I have my 72 hour rule. I try and stick to, you know, I'll ask people for help. I'll ask people for advice, but at the end of the day, I'll be waiting forever. And that's something that I think was a procrastination tool that I have that I didn't even realize I had at first where, well, I'll wait to hear back from this person. And then whatever they say, then I'll make a decision. Knowing that is probably going to take them two or three weeks because they might be in the same boat that they're afraid they're going to make the wrong decision or give me bad advice. And then nothing gets done. So I go, look, I'm going to feel out as many people as I can feel out. I'm going to go to as many people for help as I can. I'm going to do my own research. And then after three days, I'm just going to make the best decision possible. And if somebody comes to me on day five, Sorry, you know, I couldn't wait forever. Business isn't going to wait because then the deal is going to be gone or the money's going to be gone or the person's not going to be interested anymore. So very important to just be decisive and be quick in business and real estate in general. Just you have to, you know, and that's again why I like jujitsu. I could sit there and I've told this story before. Um, I think I told it on Billy Hofarker's podcast, but shout out to my buddy, Rich Corfage, uh, Corfage Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt, um, was the instructors under the great Matt Sarah. But I remember after one of my MMA fights, I was trying to find a bunch of different positions from each position. And then when I got into those positions in the fight, what happened was I would think about, okay, do I want an underhook? Do I want an overhook? Do I want to sweep? Do I want to try and submit? Do I want to go for an omoplata? Do I want to go for a triangle? Do I want to just try and push off and get up? Do I want to punch a guy? And then by the time I got halfway through thinking of all the probabilities and all the different moves I could be making, the guy moved and now the opportunity was gone and I was in a worse position. And I went, man, I should have just done anything, just something or anything. And I would have potentially been in a better spot than I was. And those little decisions wind up costing you the fight at the end. And then I remember talking to Rich after, and he was like, man, a lot of half guard, a lot of different opportunities. And from there, he started said to me, look, we're going to work on two things and that's it from each of these positions. So that way, when you get to them, you're going A or B. I'm in this position, A or B. I'm a half guard. I'm going to do one or two things. I'm in side control. I'm going to do one or two things. I'm in mount. I'm going to do one or two things. And you start to react 
much quicker. And that's kind of what I'm starting to do with real estate and with business too is, okay, you know, I know enough of the things not to do now. I know the mistakes to look for. I'm sure there's other mistakes I'm going to make, but I have enough experience to know that I'm limiting that and I'm limiting that and I'm limiting that. And I know if I don't make a decision, I'm going to be sitting there making no money for the rest of my life and wondering what could have happened. And that regret's going to sting worse than a bad decision. I would much rather have swung the bat, learned some lessons and move forward fighting than just sitting there at home plate with the bat in my hand, wondering what happened and being too scared to ever swing. If you don't throw any punches, you're never going to win the fight. All those cliches. So um, big thing there is just being a decision maker and right or wrong. Anybody who's going to criticize you is going to be somebody who's never has the courage to do what you do. If you ever are nervous about making a decision or being wrong or losing, just keep reading the quote, the man in the arena. I absolutely love it because at the end of the day, it's, it's exactly that, you know, um, the, the person standing in the arena who lost will never know the, the regret that others will of never knowing victory defeat by being one of those cold and distant souls who just sit there and watch the guy doing everything from the sidelines. I just read a quote today, actually, that I thought was awesome. It was said, the biggest booze come from the cheapest seats in the arena. And that's wiser words have never been spoken. So hopefully it's not too much of a rant. Um, so we do talk about working with family. And I love what he talked about because he's working with his wife and he had to get her in the right mindset. You know, a lot of the times I think his approach was extremely interesting. You know, you might have a wife, a friend, family, and I've preached this for years of, of maybe they don't have to be on board. They don't have to be excited. They don't have to be jumping for joy about the real estate investing and all that kind of stuff. And I tell them, look, you don't have to be positive. Just at least be neutral. What I can't have is I can't have you be negative. I can't have you be judgmental and, and picking apart everything I do and, all those things that are going to make this harder for me. You can even pretend it's not happening and then I'll be good with that. But what I can't have you be is neutral. I'm sorry, be negative. And again, I think part of that is, is changing the mindset and educating just like all of us had to do, just like a lot of people that are probably listening to this podcast are still trying to just wrap their head around as much as we can give technical advice. You could just call me up and ask me to analyze a deal or to help you look at, look at a deal, which some of you are. I send me phone calls. I apologize. But you're still trying to wrap your mind around the fact that you can do this or how do you do this or, or talk to your wife or your husband or your parents or your boyfriend, or your girlfriend or whoever it is about getting into this. And it's those tough conversations, those struggles. So I think having them and, and having them understand the benefits and the risks and the pros and the cons and just talking them out, you know, Hey, let's talk about it. What are you worried about? Maybe I don't have the answers, but I'll go to Nick for the answers or I'll go to somebody else for the answers or, you know, we'll take it one step at a time, but maybe do what Brandon did. Hey, read some books listen to some podcasts, get some education, then write some questions down. Then we'll go from there. And what are you interested in that you want me to be interested in? Because I'll do the same thing. While you're looking at my thing, I'll look at your thing. While you're, you know, in, engulfing yourself down in whatever my interests are, you know, maybe you wanted me to take up salsa dancing or you wanted me to learn more about eating healthy. Okay, I'll do that. I'll take a class. I'll listen to some podcasts and let's meet up a week from now and circle back and talk about it. So I just thought it was interesting. And again, maybe not that exact thing, but the approach is genius, genius, you know? So get them involved and be willing to get involved in their thing and then talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly because that's really what it is. And he just did another podcast I was listening to prior to this where it was all about being a good listener. And I thought it was interesting that people will ask the same questions over and over again. And a lot of the time, what it comes down to is they keep asking the same questions because you really still haven't addressed what the real issue is or really answer their problem. You just keep circling back to like, this is your question, but what, what really is your question? Because it's not really this, because I've given you the answer for this. There's something under the surface that we have not touched on yet. Let's figure out what that is. And let's address that, what the real issue is here. Um, we talk about price versus risk. So this is another thing that I think is 
so huge because a lot of people go back and forth and they say, well, I think it's less risky buying a cheaper place. So I want to get something, you know, a 10 unit apartment for $200,000 or a, a home in Detroit for $15,000 or, you know, they, they feel like it's less risk and it could be, but you also could be looking at a property that maybe has a less of a point of entry, but there's negatives to that higher intensive labor, higher turnover. Maybe you're in a bad area. You get what you pay for. Now, it's not always the case, but sometimes it is. You know, Is there high crime? Is there murders? Is there violent crime? These are things that I don't want to be. And so I don't care if you tell me I have a 19 cap rate or a 32% cash on cash return and I'm buying a house for $5,000. You can buy a house for $5,000 and lose money. If you don't think you can, I can show you how I've done that. So it's just one of those things where cheaper is not better. You have to weigh out the pros and the cons. And there is that fine line of, okay, but when does it become too expensive? When is it now? It's too much money invested because maybe you don't have enough for the down payment. So you you would need to bring in a partner or maybe it's too high a market that if it goes negative, what the ne- the debt service is going to be to carry that will eat up your cash flow for the whole year or, you know, the it's too, 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 too high a price point that it won't cash flow or, or whatever it is, you know, maybe it's too competitive a market. So and there, there is fear involved because when you first start out, buying a million dollar property is scary. And when you get advanced, you start to realize, just like we talked about, that it's just another zero. But more expensive doesn't mean more money and cheaper doesn't mean a safer investment. So this is a really important thing. And it really is deal to deal, case by case, neighborhood to neighborhood. So it's something you do want to dig into. But I think it's it's an important question to start to think of what is your risk tolerance? Because I know people that make money hand over fist in D areas where there's low, low price points for entry, high rent, high turnover, high labor, high brain damage, but you get high cap rates. And if you're willing to take that risk on, if you're willing to be hands-on, if you're willing to take on those headaches, you can make a lot of money. And I know other people that don't want anything to do with that. And they only want higher end assets or only, you know, they only want to deal with a certain type of clientele. So there's money to be made everywhere, but don't just make a general assumption about anything. And and I started digging into this a little bit more, and I know Brandon talked about it as well, but if you really look at some of these assets that are quote unquote cheaper, that should be making you more cash flow, if, in their, if they're in one of those areas or one of those neighborhoods that maybe aren't the best, but you bought it because it felt a little bit more bite-sized for you because it was a little bit cheaper, and you start to look at if you would have had a property that maybe was a little bit more money, maybe didn't have as much equity, or maybe didn't have as high a cap rate or as high a cash on cash return, over the course of five, 10 years, you would find that dollar for dollar, you probably made more on the one that promised a little bit less because the real numbers, when you actually take the net in for the time and the headaches and the repairs and the turnovers and the vacancies and the economic vacancies and all the other things that go into some of these high labor intensive, high, high headache areas, it's a non-performing asset. You're not actually hitting that. So just things to think about. And then this goes out to anybody that maybe has reached out to me about buying properties and you've turned a few down going, oh, I want a little bit higher of a return. I'm looking for something better. Think about where those potential quote unquote better returns are. Because if you're trying to compare something that's in a, a C plus or a B neighborhood to something that's in a C minus or a D neighborhood, and you want a 10 cap and you're getting that 10 cap in a B neighborhood versus getting a 12 cap in a D neighborhood, it's not the same deal. You can't have it all. You're not going to say, you know what? I want a high cap rate and I want a stabilized property that's already cash flowing and I want a value play with some upside in it and I want it in a really great area. 
So do I. Call me if you have that. I'll buy it from you. So again, that's what risk is. So don't sit on the sidelines and wait for the perfect deal. Let's have a conversation or have a conversation with yourself or whoever it is. If you don't like me, you don't want to talk to me, whatever it is, hit up Brandon, you know, just listen to the podcast, but think about it and start to figure out what your risk tolerance is, what you have to work with, where you want to start. And let's start to focus and really get granular and narrow that down. Um, we talk about being realistic. So this is another thing where don't just start to say, well, all these things could go wrong. And that's what I've been hearing a lot lately too, is like, what if every single person in my building moves out on the same month? Could that happen? Yeah, that could happen. I don't know anybody it's ever happened to. You know, and this thing again is funny. Everybody's got an oh, I got a friend who's got an uncle that that happened to. Okay, let's call him. He probably doesn't exist. So it's a game of, yes, you have to be realistic. Yes, you do have to be worried because that fear is going to keep you sharp, but have a realistic expectation and a realistic risk tolerance for what could happen. What are the vacancy rates in the area? You know, if, if no other buildings in that area for the last few years show a vacancy rate that are in decent condition with good management of under 80%, why would you assume that yours would go to 100%? It's unrealistic. Real estate is all backed by data. And your fears can be data-driven, but they can also be justified so you know if they're realistic fears or not. And that data is always going to be there to tell you how realistic or unrealistic you were being. And again, confirmation bias. If you look at the data, you can find almost anything to prove or disprove what you were looking for. So go in with a healthy shoulder, healthy head on your shoulders, and go in and look look at whatever it is you're trying to, to figure out. Like, okay, what if everybody moves out? What if I have to drop the rent? What if I have to switch the cap rate? What if I have to fire sale at all? What if, you know, what LTV am I at? What if I have to refinance at a lower LTV? All these things are realistic, but don't paint yourself into a corner for the most recession resistant, you know, mistake proof deal because you'll be waiting forever. It just doesn't exist. Real estate is going to have some risk. It's just a matter of taking a calculator risk by surrounding yourself with black belts who have already gotten punched, already made those mistakes, already got gotten tapped out and put in those bad positions and found ways out of them so they could tell you not only what to do, but what not to do. And I think that that's extremely important. So look for worst reasonable case scenario and go off of that. And he talks about stress testing his deals for a market shift, which I think is important because right now things are great, but what happens if they're not? And this is something we've talked about over and over by studying things like last day to sale, like days on market, price cuts, inventory, um, things that are going at or above asking price. When those things start to change, you will know as long as you have your hands on the market so you have a pulse on what's happening there. So um, we talked about hiring. Hiring interns, I think was a, uh, a huge thing right there that I hadn't really thought much about, but there's there's culture that he talked about as well. So sometimes there's people that might be qualified for the job, but I'm not much of a phone guy. I'm good with text messages. I'm good with emails, but hiring some of these people now, which I've done this week to take some of these things off my plate. I like what he's saying about culture and hiring friends and, and hiring interns to start out and do tasks that fit the culture. I have talked about this nonstop. I have taught, taught about this on stages, but Again, going back to what I said in the podcast of finding who you want and what you want, you do that by finding out who you don't want and what you don't want. So tossing out that net of, okay, there's 100,000 people that could potentially be qualified for this position. I'm going to first disqualify half of them by saying, hey, send me your favorite food, your favorite color, like Brandon said, giving them these little tasks that most of them are going to do. Okay, now I'm down to this. It's the same way I train all my teams. 
by process of elimination and by letting them eliminate themselves. And then I can dig down to the 10% that actually made the cut and now figure out which ones are a good fit for me, for my personality, for the way I communicate and for my culture. Ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real Mackenzies, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world and he is also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632-0585. Again, text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-632-0585 for your free online drum lesson. So again, for him, I'll go intern for him. You know, live in Hawaii, do jujitsu, talk real estate all day. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. That's probably not a, a hard culture to want to be a part of, but do you fit for him? Because if it's not a good fit, I might be great at my job. Maybe I can make him a ton of money, but maybe we don't get along right. Maybe we don't have the same values. Maybe we don't value the same things or whatever it may be. There could be something that you just doesn't fit. And if he's going to have to spend hours on the phone with me every day, you want to have that with somebody that's that's going to click, that you communicate with, that fits your culture, that fits your personality, that you want to actually talk to. And I think by doing that, that's how he has long-term success and long-term friendship with these people because they weren't just people that he hired that were good at his job or that were already friends that he said, hey, we're friends, so we probably good business partners. A and A, they don't match together like that. One-on-one -on -one is not two in that scenario. But I think what he does by testing it out is super smart. You know, hire interns, see if they're a part of your culture, see if they fit, give them tests, and then watch them rise to the occasion and then find the right fit for them. I, I think it's just absolutely genius because there's people that are right for a job, but they're not right for you. And, and the more I start to think about this, as I have these people now that are going to be taking some of these daily day, day to day responsibilities off of my plate, that's going to mean I have to take more of a managerial role, which means that I'm going to have to be spending less time doing the day-to-day -day stuff, but spending more time having conversations with my teams on a daily basis. And I need to find people that I enjoy talking with that fit the core values, fit my lifestyle, have my same sense of humor, whatever it is, but that I want to talk to. And at first it was, um, you know, maybe I did want to have some guys from jujitsu that I was friends with because what if it gets weird? And now it's like, you know what, every conversation I have is great conversation. So I want to have more conversation. If I'm going to have to spend the day talking to somebody, I think I'd rather spend the day talking to somebody that I like, that I respect, that I know has value and can communicate and do the things I need. And then I can train them how to fit my model because they already fit my personality and my values. So I am by no means an expert on this, but I will keep you posted. And uh, you know, as I see, I guarantee that he fires people almost monthly, yearly. So things are always going to shift and change. And again, you just keep getting better at learning what you don't want and then finding the things that you do. So hopefully you guys get some tips out of what I just said and things out of what he said. And again, being honest with yourself is one of the next things that he went into. So I, I think it's a huge thing of just really, again, being honest with yourself doesn't necessarily have to be forever, but it does have to be for right now. So talk about it. You know, what can you afford right now? Not just money, but time-wise, you know, what would help you? What do you need? 
these are all questions, you know, what are you willing to do? What are you willing not to do? What are you willing to pay? What are you willing not to pay? What are you willing to ask for? What type of timelines are you willing to put in? How many days a week? How many markets? You know, how much due diligence are you willing to do? How many podcasts are you willing to listen to? How many books are you willing to read? How many questions are you looking to ask? How much money are you willing to pay for a partner? Or how much money are you willing to pay for an education? Or, you know, how much are you willing to put down on a deal? What type of actual returns do you want? What type of neighborhoods do you want to be in? What types of strategies do you want? Are you looking for a three-month return, a six-month return, a 12-year return, a five-year return? Do you want to deal with something or someone that you're talking to daily weekly, monthly, through text messages, through emails, through phone calls, whatever it is. But these are all great things to start to figure out what do you want and be honest about, okay, right now I have $20,000 to invest. I only have a couple of hours a week. I don't really have the time to put into learning about it. I should probably find a property to partner in with, or I should invest that money passively with somebody else and learn. And I don't have time to get on the phone calls all day. So if they could send me weekly updates, that would be absolutely awesome. And maybe I could shoot them a question or maybe I could sign up for a coach and that gives me a, you know, a week, a month, or maybe I'll just start listening to podcasts, or maybe I'll go out to a mastermind once a quarter and I'll implement that. And then I'll, I'll go another quarter and find another mastermind whatever it is. But I think really having honest conversations with yourself because there's almost daily things that I think I'm going to get done and I have to have those honest conversations with. I'm not. So as much as I want to get this done and I want to be perfect at this, it's time that my indecision is costing me time. It's costing me money. I'm now spending time on activities that are not generating revenue and I'm dropping the ball on the things that I really should be focused on and making my money. So as much as I keep thinking, I'm going to be able to catch up and adapt. The last six months have told me I'm not. So now I have to be honest with myself and just say, I need help. And I have to go out there and ask for it. And I have to just make some of these decisions. And yeah, I might hire the wrong person or I might, you know, jump in the wrong market or I might outsource the wrong thing that I should have been doing myself. Maybe I'll hold on to the thing that I should have given away, but you know what I'll learn and it'll make a great podcast and a great lesson that you can learn from so you just got to go out there and swing the bat. We talk about his beard. We talk about jujitsu. Um, and again, um, the jujitsu side of stuff, I, I'm just excited. It's done so much for me. It's had so many opportunities for me. It's, it's taught me so much about life on and off the mats. I know if you're not into jujitsu, you don't understand it. But the only thing I could say is just get into jujitsu and you will, because there's no accident that guys like Joe Rogan that have accomplished so many things in their life, the day that they got their black belts, they go on and they say, out of all the things I've accomplished, this is the thing I'm the most proud of. This is the thing that I worked the hardest for. This is the thing that took the most effort, the most consistency, the most tenacity, the most perseverance. And this is where I met some of the best contacts, some of the best people in my life that have taught me some of the best lessons in my life. And the fact that Brandon has come so far in life and in business with those core values, you tie that up now with jujitsu, not only just learning jujitsu and the discipline and the the release and the stress release of doing that, but the connections and the friendships that he is going to make that are going to make his circle grow even bigger, better, stronger, and tighter, I think is going to be, you know, astronomically changing for him. If nothing else, business-wise, I think quality of life, friends, um, I just... I can't say, I, I'm, I'm so excited to see how a guy like that gets his whole world ignited and lit on fire by the connections and the friendships and the experiences he's going to make on his now jujitsu journey that I'm jealous of. And I know I've talked about this with a couple of other guests that some of them surprisingly told me if they had to go back now after getting a black belt and start from the beginning, getting their white belt, they might not do it again. I completely disagree with that. I, I absolutely would, man. I'm, I'm envious of Brandon of you know, I remember those days that somebody doesn't show up. And now you get to, well, that guy was getting me in this. Can you teach me? And how do I get out of there? You know, I literally took a private freaking Ally Quinta's 
choked the shit out of me with like a, a Dars choke or a Bravo choke or whatever you want to call it. Like over and over and over and over and over again for like a week. And then I just did a private with Matt. And he's like, what do you want to work on? I was like, well, Raging Al choked me out 32 times today with the same freaking choke. And he was like, all right, well, you know, the first thing is don't get in that position with him because yeah, you're going to get choked there. But it's fun. Like when you get to really learn new things and see new things and everything's new and stuff you haven't seen before. And then you learn to escape it. And then you learn to, to catch other people in it. And then you, you see things in class and then you, you see some of the higher level guys like the ally Quintas or whoever it is, like put those things into use on the mat right after they're showing it in practice. And you get to see how applicable it is. And that, that gets you excited to go like, Holy crap, man, that's like, Great example. Al Jermaine, the Funk Master Sterling, congratulations, sir, on you winning the Bantamweight World Championship. And I know it's going to be great watching you defend it. But, um, you know, having guys like that around, that literally Aljo, I think, was the first guy to catch like a hidden arm choke from the bottom in a UFC fight. Me and my good friend, pilot Joe Riley, congratulations on your black belt too, sir. Um, but we were trying to work on it. And all of a sudden we looked around and we were like, wait, Aljo's right. Hey, Aljo, will you come in and show us how you did that? And literally you get to call the guy just did that in a UFC fight, come in and show you exactly what you're doing wrong and what you're doing right and how to do that. And now you get to go and try it out on some of the, the newer guys and, and learn like what works and what doesn't work. And you get excited to show up the next day and try the new move or get out of the new move. And I don't know, I, I can nerd out on it for days. I know you probably don't care if you're not a jiu-jitsu guy, but if you are, you know what I'm talking about. You remember what it's like um, just starting out and just being excited and then being discouraged and then being beaten down and then being tired and then showing up anyway and then having a good day and feeling great and going out that night and having some drinks, knowing that you, you know, you had a good day on the mat with some of your your buddies and, you know, getting to know some of those guys that you put in some blood, sweat and tears with that day. And I don't know, man, I just, I think I missed jujitsu. It's been a long time. I'm getting my second shot soon. I really can't wait to get back on the mats and train and most importantly, spend time with uh, some of my favorite humans in the world, which are the guys that I share, the guys and the girls that I share the jujitsu mat with. So, um, yeah, again, uh, Brandon, the same way that I talked about being excited for guys like Aljamain Sterling, uh, Chris Wyman, Ally Aquinta, and these guys that bring their A game to all these other stuff and have such great drive and success and strong. They're so strong minded and they're so successful turning into real estate. I, I feel the same way now about Brandon Turner taking all the things he's done in real estate and being able to now combine that with his love of jujitsu. I, I just think it's awesome. So I'd love to talk to him again about that. And I'm really, I mean, bucket listing for me now, I want to go out to uh, Hawaii again. I'm way overdue for a trip to Hawaii and I would love to hang out and just do some jujitsu with, uh, with Brandon and some of his guys out there. And uh, I think it'd be awesome. So again, I keep saying jujitsu is the new golf. It is. And there's proof of it right there because I guarantee if I wanted to go out to Hawaii and just hit up Brandon and be like, hey, dude, you want to play a few holes of golf and talk business? I don't know if he would go for it, but I would bet if I say, hey, man, I'm a black belt. I've been training for 15 years. You know, we've already talked. Do you want to do some rolling, do some training? You know, I'll just roll around, learn some stuff. Um, train. Can I jump in on a training session with you? Can I come down and meet you at class and, you know, jump in? You can introduce me to some of your guys. A better shot of that, you know what I mean? And, and and we'll bond better and we'll have a better experience and we'll get to know a lot more about each other in a three minute roll than we will in a five hour golf outing. I'll tell you that for sure. So with that being said, I, uh, I don't know if I got anything out of this, but, uh, I, I have done a couple of really cool deals lately. So I'm going to try and do more of these solo episodes and really break down some of the tap, tactical pieces of some money that I made, some lessons that I've learned and really pair that up. And uh, I just have so many guests that I've over-recorded for that these are 
kind of booked up already all the way through like May or June, but I am going to attempt to uh, have less guests on for a little bit and use like the Thursday episodes, maybe every other Thursday to go into a deep dive on a deal. So please, if you want to know more about deals or you have questions that you want me to answer so that way I can cover topics or specific questions either on my YouTube channel, Instagram, or more importantly on the podcast, email me or just write me on social media, nicknicknick.com slash links or podcast at nicknicknick.com. Um, I, I, I'm never short on ideas for um, things to talk about or um, or things that you would like me to answer or discuss. I, I would love feedback and suggestions on that. So, um, you know, again, I want this to be more for a list, the listeners than it is for me. So please, listeners, let me know what you want to hear about. And I will happily I'll give you everything I know, or I will bring on somebody who knows more than me about that subject. Thank you for listening. NickNickNick.com. Tip your waitresses, go to jujitsu, check out Brandon Turner on biggerpockets.com. Um, and uh, again, I appreciate everybody listening. Thank you so much. 